When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Second big hour of Sports Day. G'day, it's Scotty Sattler, Jason Matthews here for your Monday night. Badge is on holidays. He's had a tough year this year, Badge. Uh... Going from the lounge room to his office to do his radio show, fighting with dogs, uh, doing poos on his front yard. He's he's had a tough time. So he's off for the next three weeks. And Sats, I tell you what, one of, uh, I guess, the lady we're going to talk to now, I reckon is one of Australia's greatest athletes. She's... Um, I agree. She's pretty special. Can I just read out some of her achievements? I like doing this. We won't have enough time, but you well, can read out I'll, some of them. I'll, actually, I want to get a read out. I want to get your... I'm not going to give your name away yet, mystery guest, okay? <laughs> so here we go. We've got two Paralympic gold medals. Yes. All right. Three golds at the World Champs. Two Commonwealth gold medals. By the way, one of those... Those gold medals were actually in Tokyo, by mm. the way. Uh, and recently, last week, won the women's wheelchair race in the New York Marathon. Paralympic legend. I, I can't believe we've got her on the line. And I'm actually nervous about talking and about this And she's Sagittarian as well. She's Sagittarian? Yeah. I'm going to get to some other stuff she is as well. <laughs> Maddie, Durr, I'm going to get it. Rosario is joining us right now on Sports Day. Hello. Hi. How are you going? Good. Uh, look, i got to tell you, I'm a little bit nervous because I, I think last week we had our greatest guest, uh, Former Aussie cricket captain Steve Waugh, you'd say that, wouldn't you, Sats? I think she's trumped him. I think you've trumped him. <laughs> you are absolutely outstanding. A couple of reasons I really love you, apart from your your athletic ability, but also the fact that you're a crazy cat lady. Uh, I love that. I'm a crazy cat man. What, what's the, how many cats you got and what's their names? Okay. I don't have any at the moment, but I was fostering cats for a little bit. And at one point I had seven in my apartment and it was ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No, I need to give context here. I I fostered a pregnant cat and I was like, oh my God, kittens. And then didn't think through to the part where there'd be seven little menaces in in my not very big Sydney apartment. What's the description of a cat lady? Was it like seven cats? Yeah. Four or more (laughs) in a unit? So she's now crazy cat lady. (laughs) Oh, I've got I've got two Max and Covey who is named after COVID nineteen, uh, and oh I think goodness. and that's two kitter trays going changed over every two days. Imagine with seven bloody cats yeah. uh, in your life. Yeah, it was the worst. I now have like a, a dog named Sebastian. He's he's been here for about four years, so like we've we've kind of moved on. The seven cats kind of traumatized me. We now have a tiny dog. <laughs> now, do I call you Maddie or do I call you Bandit? What what do you prefer? <laughs> and it was an old nickname that my sister had for me when we were growing up that I that I do have a tattoo of, admittedly. So it's definitely definitely a permanent one. Now, when we get into your very impressive uh, athletic um, career so far, you're only 27 years of age. That is crazy what you've been able to cram into such a uh, a very early part of your career. But you've got to re- got to remind some of the the listeners here that. 
You competed in your first Paralympics at 14, Maddie. How was that from a, a maturity point of view, having to handle the stress of an Olympics in Beijing at 14 years of age? Yeah, that was um, a little bit um, bit of a shock to the to everything. Actually, I I was definitely training with with London 2012, kind of as the, the plan that you know my coach Louise and I were kind of everything we were doing was was with that in mind, and I would have been 18 by that point, which would make a little bit more sense. Um, but a spot actually opened up on the relay team, which is which is how Beijing even happened. I I didn't really go across for for an individual event necessarily. Um, it was definitely as a part of the the four by one hundred, um, but no massive shock. I was I was so lucky. I have the most incredible team that I kind of got to grow up, you know, having around me. And so Beijing was amazing, but I yeah definitely um, definitely unexpected. Yeah, you got a silver medal in Beijing in two thousand eight as part of that relay. But then, as Jace just mentioned, two thousand and twenty or two thousand twenty one Tokyo, two golds. What was it like? Now, seeing that you've been to three Olympics, or the fourth one being um, in Tokyo. What was Tokyo like compared to the other ones you've been to when there's crowds, there's fans, they can celebrate? What was it like? It was a bit, it was, it was a mix, you know, it was, it was definitely a little bit strange having no one in the crowds. That was um, obviously different from, from other games that I've been to, but also I think we, we were so well prepped for it. Our, our team, our staff back in Australia, they definitely gave us so much information leading in. There was so much transparency, you know, every step of the way, what it was going to be like when we got over there. So we really kind of had time to, I guess, prepare for it, even though it was so different. But I think one of the unexpected things that came from it was the, the team cohesion that we had coming out of that. So usually with, you know, dining hall access and stuff like that, you kind of just go and do your own thing. You don't really see the larger team that much. Because the Paralympic team didn't have dining hall access, we ended up having all our meals um, in the Australian allotment. And so you ended up seeing members of your team from different sports. You normally only kind of briefly kind of see and, and chat to in passing. You end up kind of, you know, sharing way more moments than, than you ever normally would. So I think coming out of it, the, the, the team culture that we had was absolutely unreal coming out of Tokyo. What was that like as an athlete winning two golds in Tokyo compared to winning the two golds at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast in your home country? Uh is that still the greatest moments uh, winning on the Gold Coast or does Tokyo trump that without crowds? Oh, that is a tricky one. Winning on the Gold Coast was unreal because you're doing it in front of so many Australians. That was just an amazing experience. My my family was all there and it was absolutely unreal. But there is there is definitely something special about the Paralympic gold medal. It's been the goal for for such a long time for my entire career it, it's that one thing that every single one of us out there it's it's the top of the list of things that you want to be able to do and and to finally be able to do it at my fourth games was yeah that's probably taken the top spot yeah oh uh, no I've, uh, i couldn't imagine what it'd be like to be an olympic gold medalist um how has your life changed since winning gold because you were you were all over our screens uh everywhere when you picked up gold uh, in Tokyo, and you know, and we've spoken to a few um, athletes who have come back from Tokyo, and everyone knows what they've done because you know we're all in lockdown, so we were glued to the TV twenty four hours a day. How has your life changed? It's, um, I, I mean, in some ways, it changes in a lot. You kind of recognise that that platform you have and and the impact you're able to have is is becoming a bit more substantial, but. I also think at the end of the day, it almost changes nothing. Like you kind of fall back into your normal 
training and you're still doing, you know, I get to do what I love every day for a job and it, you're kind of surrounded by the same people. So in some ways it's so different and in some ways, honestly, it is exactly the same, which I kind of love, to be honest. But it's amazing and it's amazing to know how many eyes are on screens during the games and, and during the Paralympics. So I think more so than how it's changed my life, I think the way it changes, you know, the way it moves, the Paralympic movement in Australia is significant. And I think we're going to keep seeing the impact of that over the next few years. Mm. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. And look at some of the uh, some of the distances you cover, long, middle uh, middle, and also long um, when it comes to all the events, the 100 metres, the 400, the 800, the 1500, the 5000 and the marathon. Now, how do you train for all those those different disciplines? You've got one of our, our great Paralympians in Louise Savage as one of your mentors and your coaches. How does she prepare for all those those different disciplines? Yeah, so I definitely haven't touched the 100, 400 in oof, a long time since London 2012, I think. Um, but you're right, the, the 800 through the marathon is obviously quite a decent span of events. But I think it's a kind of parallel wheelchair racing to swimming a little bit in that once you kind of can get the hang of the, the skill, you can actually span quite a few events and those skills actually translate really well. So the biggest challenge we have is is how you kind of get your body in, in the fitness base you need for the marathon to then come out of that and sharpen up for the track. And that's, that is definitely the hardest part. But once you kind of develop that, that base, it, it stays. And that's the thing that we were able to do through lockdown and through the postponement of the games, which is work on that marathon fitness that, that I hadn't necessarily, you know, built up to the level that I wanted to. So that was like an, an unexpected advantage that came out of out of those two years. But um but yeah, luckily that the training actually complements the the middle long and long distance. Now you talk about marathons and one of the most recognized marathons around the world of course is the New York City marathon. A forty two kilometer course. Did you get to go through all the five boroughs and, and how how far out did you pinpoint the North, the New York City Marathon to to try and to try and win that event. But it does go through all five boroughs. It's an unreal race. You kind of start on the Verrazano Bridge on on Staten Island, then you end in Central Park, and yeah, you do get this the most incredible kind of tour of of New York. Um, but for for me, it was um, around the 25k mark. You're coming off the 59th Street Bridge, which is the the Queensboro Bridge. And it's a bit of a tricky turn. It kind of, you kind of climb for a kilometer, down for a kilometer, like this big sweeping U-turn at the bottom of it. And that was kind of where I managed to create a little bit of a gap. And then it was just 17 kilometers of me just trying to hold that gap. There wasn't another opportunity in the race where you can really confidently make a break. And so I think I, I did create a bit of a gap and then it was kind of just head down and, and try and do it. And, and there was like a different kind of stress that comes with, having a bit of a gap but not knowing how big that gap is and and the last time I did race New York was in in 2019 and two other athletes actually passed me in Central Park in like the last five kilometers so as I got into the park there was like this little panic like rabbit mode where I was just <laughs> waiting for like you know these two women to come flying back past me again so definitely very stressful last um 17 but yeah it was about 17k to go that that I made a little bit of a break and, and managed to hold it what's next um, we have our domestic season coming up for athletics in Australia, so um, that'll kind of be through the summer. Um, we've got an amazing race in, in Sydney um, on Australia Day that kind of goes through the rocks under the Harbour Bridge. Um, it's a 10K, and that one's unreal. Um, but next year is, is absolutely massive. We were we were meant to have a World Championships um, this year when Games actually ended up being, because of the postponement, it's all been shifted. So next year we kind of have a, a 
Com Games in, in July, August, and yep. three weeks later, World Champs in August, September, plus the marathon circuit is is back on. So next year is is absolutely massive. And only three more years to defend your title at the Olympics as well, so not too far away. You know when your manager said to you, hey, listen, uh, they're going to make a Barbie doll in honour of you. Did you think that's the freakiest thing you've ever heard? 100%. (laughs) And I feel like it's just... It's not something you can ever even like put on your bucket list or hope someday happens, right? It's the most out of nowhere gig that kind of comes across your desk. Like it was absolutely unreal. And no, that was honestly, it's so incredibly flattering. It's, yeah, that was unreal. And uh, before we let you go, during the week, of course, Dylan Alcott uh, not only voted, was he the Victorian Australian of the Year going into the running as well, yeah. but... Um, he's announced he's going to retire after the Australian Open next year. Now, he's just a rock star, isn't he, Maddie? He has done so much, not just in sport, but I think for, for people with disabilities in, in Australia, but on, on a global level as well, the, the impact he's managed to have as just one person is, is significant. Mm. Madison, it's been an absolute... Oh, Maddie, we're friends. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, should, do I... I don't know. Do I go by Bandit, Maddie, Madison? I'm, oh, I'm not, I like Bandit. All right. Ban- Bandit Derazio, <laughs> uh, uh, we, we really appreciate your time on Sports Day. Best of luck with the Com Games next year. I can't, it's weird saying that. We just got over the Olympics. We're talking about the Com Games next year. All the best, and we hope to catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much.